0: Enterprise market makes up 72% of your total ARR. Are you guys in the what, 200 million, 240 million ish run rate range today in terms of total ARR? We're smaller than that. Okay. When do you think you break 200? Can that happen this year? Is it next year or a year after? Um, so, certainly
1: not uh, this year. Um, maybe next year.
0: You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka. Now, if you're hearing this, it means you're not currently on our subscriber feed. To subscribe, go to getlatka.com. When you subscribe, you won't hear ads like this one. You'll get the full interviews. Right now, you're only hearing partial interviews. And you'll get interviews three weeks earlier from founders, thinkers, and people I find interesting. Like Eric Wan, 18 months before he took Zoom public.
1: We got to grow
0: faster. Minimum is 100% over the past several years or bootstrap founders like Vivek of QuestionPro. When I started the company, it was not cool to raise. Or Looker CEO, Frank Bean before Google acquired his company for $2.6 billion. We wanna see a real pervasive data culture and then the rest flows behind that. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. There, you'll find a private RSS feed that you can add to your favorite podcast listening tool, along with other subscriber-only content. Now look, I never want money to be the reason you can't listen to episodes. On the checkout page, you'll see an option to request free access. I grant 100% of those requests, no questions asked. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Sid C. Brandy. He's passionate about empowering open source, enabling great products and evolving global businesses. A self-taught Ruby developer, he commercialized GitLab with its creator in 2012 and graduated from YC in 2015. Since then, GitLab has grown to 800 remote team members across 55 countries and raised $188.2 million in funding. Sid, you ready to take us to the top? For sure. So I always hate celebrating funding because sometimes it just means a lot of dilution and a big zero at the end. Why do you need to raise that much money to build the business?
1: Uh, yeah, I think uh, you shouldn't celebrate funding or uh, like a high people kind just by itself. We raised $268 million in our last round at a post-valuation of $2.75 billion. Uh, So it was dilutive, but it wasn't too dilutive. And uh, we raised it because we want to make sure that every single part of GitLab gets to maturity. We have the best version control, the best... CI on the planet, but we want to make sure that deploying, monitoring, and securing applications that that those parts of GitLab are also uh, best in class.
0: Now, this round, uh, this was actually just—I mean, you just closed it earlier this month, correct? The two hundred and fifty. Yes. And so you you had just raised prior to that, I think, about what one hundred and twenty million ish uh, from Goldman and between September and December last year, right? Yes so so what's the thinking behind i mean when i look at a round like this right uh what i think is wow there's a lot of liquidity in the private markets um this is perfect for you it's better than an ipo you don't have to worry about all the administrative burden a roadshow and all that It allows you to double down and focus i mean do you kind of view this as this was the alternative to an ipo an easier alternative
1: yes it could be um our plan is to become uh a public company next year and with this round we kind of have optionality whether we're going to do an IPO or a direct listing yep so we structured this round with a lot of different investors in it and with a lot of investors that are very familiar uh, in the public markets that are long-term
0: holders so just to repeat what you already articulated you said you raised about 250 and you said it was a 2.7 pre-money valuation uh post post money okay so you sold a, maybe a little a tad more than 10% of the company exactly and was anything go to the secondary or was all balance sheet
1: this is what we're talking about is all primary
0: all prime okay and that means all to the balance sheet correct correct have you done anything for early folks that put money in including early employees in terms of liquidity or they have to wait until a direct listing or ipo
1: we did one at uh, the d round uh so the previous round and we're looking at another one um Based on this round.
0: Can you explain how that worked in the D round? There's a lot of CEOs at 60, 70, 80 million in ARR doing these $100 million rounds, and they're never quite sure how to structure the liquidity option for early folks. How did you structure it in your D round to the extent you can share?
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, We did it with uh, NASDAQ private market. It was a great experience. And we said uh, you could sell up to 20% of your vested shares, both current team members and ex-team members, Um, up to 20%. So people sold between zero and
0: 20%. And how did you decide? Did so basically did, was it on NASDAQ or did you do a 409 evaluation? How did you come up with essentially the price? Uh, the
1: price was, uh, the same as the preferred price of the round.
0: So this is very rare. I talked to a lot of founders where they get in really weird positions when they do these secondaries because you want the maximum valuation from the round, but then you're going, wait for employees to make the most on the spread between their exercise price, right? What they got it at many years ago and what they get today, you actually want maybe a different potential valuation for tax purposes. You just kept them both aligned.
1: So we did, it's it's market. Like, what does the market want? And the market said, look, we want, there was more demand than there was supply. So we went, it went all the way up to the maximum. Um, it influences the 498, uh but it's a one-time event, um, so it it's it, having having continuous trading at that price would influence the 49A uh, way more than a one-time event.
0: Yep. So of that 120 that you raised in this, well, do you put the 20 from Goldman in December in with the 100 million you did in September or no?
1: Uh no that 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 was separate round totally we now raised four hundred more than four hundred twenty million
0: yeah because you just did two hundred sixty eight million but going back to September what I'm trying to get at that September nineteenth oh
1: sorry yeah those numbers no the public numbers we always try to talk about the public uh, the primary fundraise never about the secondary because I think if you talk publicly it's about we raise this money people gonna assume it's the primary fundraise and also that's what people care about people care about. Are you a sustainable company? As in, do you have the money to get to a uh, cash flow break even? What and I'm, that's what you're signaling. So I, I think it's, um, I think it's better to just talk about the amounts in the primary fundraise when you're announcing a
0: fundraise. What I'm trying to get at Sid is how many people decided not to sell versus so, took some chips off the table. Like how much money from those rounds actually went out from people that did decide to sell.
1: So all the all the amounts we announced are all primary fundraises. We were not, we're not jumbling the secondary into that.
0: I see. Okay, so just to be clear, and this is what you're just trying to explain to me: that 468 all went to your balance sheet million you've raised. That you, you, how did you get the money then? Did you just do it off your balance sheet? Like, where did you get the money from to pay off people that wanted to sell up to 20 percent of their shares? Uh,
1: additional, uh, like investors, mostly investors who participated oh. in the round. Got I, it.
0: Got it. So Nasdaq, even more. Nasdaq essentially put this out there, and anyone—you didn't have to buy them back as a company. Anyone could go purchase those that wanted more upside. Exactly. Oh. So
1: Nasdaq private market is is facilitates it. Um, it's a bit tricky. Like we had people in over 20 countries participating. So so there's a bit of paperwork there, and then we have a couple of investors who said, "Okay, we want to buy at this price and maximum of this much." They all sign up the people, um, uh, offer their shares up. Um, and then, uh, you've, the, the transaction closes at a certain point.
0: Yep. Very good. Okay. So, uh, just for those of you that might not be familiar with GitLab, I will tell you we had sit on uh, prior. And so Sid, last time it came on, this was probably, Oh, about 18 months ago. Um, you obviously shared, you founded the company in 2012, but at that point you were serving about 5,000 customers. What are you up to now today?
1: So today GitLab is used in over 100,000 organizations. So we got millions of users. There's uh, 10,000 paying customers. It's an open source project. Um, So there's different versions. And what we do is it's a single application for the DevOps lifecycle. It's everything you need to build software delivered as a single application. All the way from planning what you're going to do to securing that, monitoring and defending that.
0: And Have you seen any patterns in terms of what you're seeing on your average kind of contract value? So when you last came on, you articulated average kind of ACV was around the twenty thousand dollar mark across the full base. Has that increased or decreased drastically?
1: I think we're seeing a major uptick in like you're looking at the largest deals, and in the over the last three years, the largest deal kind of gone from ten thousands to hundred thousands to now million plus. You're talking about seats.
0: Uh, dollars. Oh, do- okay, dollars. So just to repeat that back to you, you have many customers paying more than a million per year, but if you look at your entire base on average, is the ARPU still about $20,000 a year? It's it's about
1: that range, but I think that's- um, It covers a, a lot. It's, it's Yeah, it's not a good number to look at, we could easily make that number higher. Just for example, we have a very hybrid sales model. So we do both like small, medium businesses, mid-market, and the enterprise market. The enterprise market is 72% of our ARR, and those are the bigger deals. Uh, so what most companies do, they stop selling to the smaller companies. Um, we don't think that is fitting for an open-core project. We think uh, those, uh, we, we really appreciate smaller businesses also working with GitLab. And that brings your uh our average revenue per customer down, but I don't think that's a, that's a metric we watch. Uh, the, the metric we watch is just incremental ACV and uh, um, growing that, doubling that. And it's good to see, look at like the biggest deal sizes and seeing those like growing really, really fast year over year.
0: Enterprise market makes up 72% of your total ARR. Are you guys in the, what, 200 million, 240 million-ish run rate range today in terms of total ARR? We're smaller than that. Okay. When do you think you break 200? Can that happen this year? Or is it next year or a year after?
1: Um, so certainly not, uh, this year. Um, maybe next year.
0: Feels like a stretch goal or easy to get at next year?
1: I have to do some, like w- what we're focused on is not so much AR is incremental ACV. Like it's how much do we add to the AR So that those are all the numbers in our heads. Yeah. Um, so
0: talk, well, let's talk AR, about your. Let's talk about that then. Yeah. So what do you what, what are you trying to optimize for there?
1: Optimizing so for growth and growth in our case it it can be a couple of things. It can be new customer coming in, existing customer expanding seed wise, uh, so getting more users on the platform. Existing customer growing in the tier that they have GitLab at, like buying a more expensive tier, and of course uh, producing uh, gross churn, so making sure that customers uh, renew. Um, Those are kind of the four big components and then split up between the between the different kind of types of customers and the different go-to-market motions we have there,
0: mm-hmm. Sid, you mentioned last time you were on, we were on the show that your gross revenue churn annually was already about ten percent or less than one percent a month, which I would say that's already pretty healthy. Have you squeaked out additional efficiencies there? Is it lower than ten percent gross revenue churn annually now?
1: No, gro- gross retention or gross retention is still about ninety percent, so that's that's kept steady.
0: Okay. And has expansion. So when you look at the co not, obviously ignore new customer additions, just expansion, right? Revenue has been about what year over year?
1: Net expansion has been absolutely amazing and it's way north of 150% and 150% would already be kind of best in class if you look at public companies. So it's been amazing to see, for example, Goldman Sachs as a customer. And we came in and they said, look, if, if you're doing really well, in nine months, we're going to be 1,000 users. And then two weeks later, we're 1,500 users. Now there are over 5,000 users. Um, it's We have a product that makes it so much easier for the developers, the operations people, and the security people in a company that we don't have to push it. As soon as the company says, okay, we allow people to use that, people flock towards it. Every company is like, they have DIY ops, we call it. They they put together their own platform from all kinds of solutions that are pretty good by themselves, but the big problem is integrating all of it. If you have an update to your application, you don't want to go to 15 tools and take two weeks. You want it done in minutes. And as soon as they open up that to their people, it starts expanding and we get more people in. Two-thirds of the Net expansion is driven by higher seat count, and we're really part of that. Um,
0: What's the other third? Is it a utility-based upsell, or it's it's an upsell
1: based on features? Uh, we have a what we call buyer-based open core model. Um, we have certain features aimed at, for example, executives, and if you want those features, you pay a higher price per user per month.
0: Interesting. Now, you said last time on the show your expansion revenue was about eighty-five percent on ten percent gross revenue turn. So your net revenue retention there was about one hundred seventy-five percent. I put that definitely in world class. Are you still at about one seventy-five percent today?
1: Yeah, we're we're now saying we're north north of one hundred fifty percent.
0: I heard you say that. I wanted to push you a little bit harder there, Sid. Yeah,
1: you you heard it. you heard me exactly. Um, we expect the number to come down. So, I'm not going to give the number today because we're doing a better and better job at landing a bigger initial deal. Yep. Uh, so, our Which sales will drive people are getting down, more experience. Right? Yeah, exactly. But it would be a good thing because and we're more aligned from the start with the customer. It's more realistic expectations. The, the number is kind of too high and we want it down, but people regard it as a good number. And anytime a good number comes down, uh, that's seen us. Yeah, but Sam, bad. One,
0: 175. I mean, I would say you are an anomaly, right? I I rarely see above 140, right? And I've done 3,000 of these interviews. I mean, 175 would have to come down over time as you get more market share. There's just no way. We
1: we expected it to come down. It hasn't come down yet, but we'll we'll keep trying better at landing that initial deal.
0: not a bad statement to make. Talk to me about CAC. When you look at obviously your different cohorts, I don't want to talk on a dollar basis because obviously it will vary widely based off the cohort you're selling in your sales motion, but. When when you look at the payback period you're optimizing for in each of your cohorts, is there a typical month range that is, is consistent across all of them? It's, um,
1: our goal is to make sure that as soon as the customer pays their first invoice, which is like, uh, a month or two after, after we signed the deal that we get back the customer acquisition costs. So that's like a magic number of one, one dot And I think we've, uh, Sometimes you hit that, and sometimes you don't. And it really depends if we're in expansion mode with our sales force. Like we're growing, we were kind of behind hiring salespeople, so you do a great. You hire a lot of extra salespeople, and then it dips below one dot and then
0: because they have anytime, to ramp up, they have to hit up get up to quota.
1: Exactly, they have to ramp up. There's a, about eight to nine months ramp up time where they uh, where they go from. Zero to 100% of
0: quota uh, per month. And is there, are, are, is the kind of average new sales rep that has a quota, is the bookings ARR target north of a million bucks? So average is a really. Um, Your new hire, new hire in an enterprise cohort. I, I, yeah,
1: in the enterprise cohort, because we got like, we got inside salespeople, et cetera. So quotas are all the way from 300,000 to uh, 2 million.
0: Based um, off which cohort they're selling in.
1: Um, yeah. Well, what is their what is their geo, how experienced are they, et cetera. Uh, so we really differentiate there, but yeah, for an enterprise salesperson uh, making, uh, making like a quarter of a million or more, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's north of a million dollars incremental ACV.
0: And so is that really what you're optimizing for? If the full OTE is going to be 250,000 base plus commission, you want to see at least five X that in terms of what the booking target is. So you have five X salesperson profitability, no matter the cohort. We don't
1: think in it like that. Well, um, so it will be like 4x to 5x, but we don't think of it like that. What we want to do is we want to pay a competitive wage. We want to make sure we can attract the people we want to attract. And I want to make sure that it's realistic. We want our goals to have 80% of our salespeople on 100% or more of quota. That's
0: good. That's
1: so really so good. those are the two things.
0: How um, many quota carrying reps
1: are you at now today? I think native quota carry. I'd have to look that up. So you can... You can, what you can do is Google GitLab team, um, and you get to a page that lists our entire team, and you can slice and dice it exactly how you want it. So, I see that just now we have nine hundred team members. This page is like old, updated, updated multiple times per day. Um, so, is nine hundred accurate? Yes, this is okay. the most accurate number we have. Um, and then. I'm going to go to sales, native quota carrying. That's 55 people.
0: There you go. And how many engineers? Let's see if we
1: make that assortment. Um, Engineering function is 393 people and 143 vacancies.
0: There you go. So so folks, they're hiring, right? There you go. (laughs) We're
1: hiring everywhere. We have over 200 total vacancies.
0: Yep. Uh, Sid, last question I've got for you. Obviously, you're driving incredible growth. The economics make a lot of sense. So you could argue that a lot of burn is is a healthy thing for you right now because the economics pan out. But at some point, it does become a little uncomfortable, right? So what's that breaking point for you? I mean, are you comfortable burning, you know, 10 million a month?
1: I don't think it's about the absolute dollar amount. I think you want to stay on the healthy side of the rule of 40. Um, You want to make sure that uh, your EBITDA combined with your um, but your growth rate is f- north of 40%. Uh, we decided last year, after the last fundraise, to invest uh, heavily in product. We're the leading provider of like a single application DevOps tool. We want to make sure that we capitalize on a, on a giant market opportunity. But I think a year, two years from now, we want to stay north of that rule of 40 and, and keep driving that. We don't have an absolute percentage in mind. And the other thing, of course, is don't run out of cash. So yeah. Always make sure that you can get back to cash flow break, even with the cash you have
0: in the bank. So Never you,
1: depend on a future fund base.
0: When you look at your growth rate over the past 12 months, top line, what, what was that at? Are you guys still at 100% year over year, or no, you're too big to be doing that now?
1: Um, I think last time we talked, uh, we were closer to 200%. Um, mm-hmm. And I think we're at uh, 140 today. Okay.
0: Now, la- la- last time we spoke, and this this number can't—I don't think—is is accurate. I must have captured something inaccurately, but it, it sounded like you were out hundred million bucks in ARR about a year and a half ago. Was that accurate? No, that was not. Accurate. That was too high. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. All right. Um. So, two hundred percent year-over-year growth from twenty seventeen to twenty eighteen. One hundred forty percent year-over-year growth twenty eighteen to you know finishing out 2019 here. So on that growth rate what you're basically telling me is you're happy and comfortable spending up to um you know, well basically negative 100% EBITDA margin because 100 negative 100 plus 140 puts you above e 40, correct?
1: Uh yes, and um, we're not even
0: uh yeah, that, that that will be the conclusion. And I'm going to I'm going to guess here you're about to say you're not even close to that. Uh how, how what what's the EBITDA margin right now? I
1: I think we're we're more like working on that uh, longer term. Um, so I, I don't view it as such. Like We we, we want to make sure that... Um, we, we so software is, is a funny business, and the, the questions we ask ourselves when we invest is like, are we going to see a return on this investment? The capital is relatively affordable to get right now. Are we going to see a return? And um, this fiscal, we're spending $50 million in development costs like engineers f- shipping more functionality in the product and our question is okay are we going to see a big multiple on that and so far the, the answer seems to be yes our customers really need this functionality and they need it yesterday so that's our reason for uh, investing in it and as we come closer to becoming a public company and eventually being one
0: Sid, before we wrap up with the famous five, uh, again, you just closed 268 million, right? In your series E, was there a general target in terms of your, you know, you made that, you raised that money and you're planning for 18 months of burn or 36 months of burn or six months of burn? What time frame were you raising for? Would you say?
1: We raised around that would be comparable to the amount we would raise if we would go public next year. That was the goal.
0: Mm-hmm. but what does that mean i understand that but what does that mean in terms of runway you're buying yourself to keep tr- driving growth a year
1: I'd, I'd like to say infinite runway because we always make sure we can get back to cash flow uh break even based on the money we have so every time we've raised it wasn't it wasn't to like make sure we expand our runway the runway is always infinite we always make sure we can get back um so every time you raise it's like wow the we we see a really high multiple unlike the features we ship on our r&d investments so let's raise more money and invest more in r&d uh, so it's it's not a runway
0: conversation and is the market rewarding you so if you raise it a 2.6 uh, two, sorry 2.6 billion dollar valuation in terms of valuation multiple on revenue i mean it sounds i mean north of 20x yes very good all right so let's wrap up with the famous five number one favorite business book
1: uh, still high output management. You have good memory.
0: <laughs> Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? There's so many great uh, CEOs. Name an um, off-the-record one, not a traditional one. Not a,
1: not a traditional one. Uh, maybe it's, it's it's not so much off-the-record, but uh, I think uh, Austin from Lambda School is doing an amazing job.
0: Yep. Are you an investor?
1: I'm not, but uh, I am. Um, I gave money to them.
0: You're hiring. I was going to say you're you're hiring from them.
1: No, I gave money to them. I gave a million bucks to him.
0: Just to um, what donate? Kind of, yeah. There's no tax benefit for you to doing that. It's just kindness of your heart.
1: No, well, <laughs> I want, it's 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 never kindness. What what it is is I had the same idea for uh, a remote education, um, but I one twist to it. I think also people should get paid to follow an education because there's very few people who can take forego nine months of income. So you should get paid to do Lambda school. And um, so I was talking to him. like I said, look, you're doing exactly what I thought I, I should be, that should exist in the world. And I thought I had to do it. Can you please do the stipends as well? And he's like, well, we need money for that. We need to hire a CFO and, and need some money kind of to 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 take that risk, I said, okay, I'll supply that money. It will save me a lot of time not having to do that myself. So, he did it, and uh, he's they're now doing that. They um, they're doing more than two million in stipends uh, this year. I love that. Um, so, and he's he's an amazing CEO. Uh, so it's it's great to see that, and it's very exciting to think about what this could mean in the world. In 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 generating more income for people
0: i mean i always say when i'm on these cable stations debating the future of work and i say what's you know how do you solve student debt i say it's lambda school that's how you solve student debt it's lambda school exactly and number three what's your favorite online tool for building your company uh GitLab. GitLab
1: pages own, Mercer, oh uh slack zoom and google docs
0: <laughs> number four how many hours of cp in every night uh Seven to eight. Okay. And what's your situation? Married, single kiddos? Married, no children. Okay. And how old are you? 40. 40. Last question. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew?
1: It's all going to be Okay.
0: <laughs> Guys, there you have it. GitLab has raised $468 million. Last, r- last round, $250 million at a $2.6, $2.7 billion pre-money valuation, more than a 20x multiple on their ARR. This sets them up to either do an IPO or do a direct listing as soon as next year. Uh, they also offered us, uh, obviously, secondaries via the Nasdaq private market where folks could sell up to 20% of their vested shares. But most importantly, they're investing $50 million and pushing additional code to add value to their customers. Now over 10,000 customers, hundreds of thousands of companies, millions of users. Sid, thank you for taking us to the top.
1: Uh, thank you. And just to be clear, the secondaries, there's no public secondary market for GitLab and people are not allowed to sell outside of the people we invite. We're not soliciting any investments. And uh, please don't trade in GitLab talking, talking, stock until talk, we're talking
0: like, an I, talking like a CEO about to, be, uh, about to be public. Sid, thanks again. Thank you.